But during this time, while employees were putting their safety at risk, these companies were actually achieving record-breaking profit. And now some of the companies that I'm talking about are like Disney and Walmart. Um, Starbucks, of course, is on that list. Amazon, Costco. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for tuning in to episode 30 of While We Were Working. While We Were Working is a show that helps you build your small business the way that you need to with effective HR and people operations strategy. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Summer Keytron, our client or consulting practice manager here at Jumpstart. What's going on, Summer? How you doing? Hi, Joey. It's a great day out here in San Diego. And as usual, we've got some great topics in store. Really excited to dive in on these today. Yeah, we're going to be talking about unions. Everyone's favorite topic, unions, uh, how they're forming, and more specifically, uh, what's going on with Starbucks. Uh, And then we've got a a question from our listeners that uh, they want to be able to take care of their employees' mental health. And they aren't sure how to do that. So let's go ahead and jump into the first one. Summer, you want to kick off while we were working? Yes. Well, first to give our listeners an intro, while we were working is our part of our show where we take a look at either a news article, um, something that's current that you may have missed because you were too busy working. And this week's article was published a couple weeks back in Forbes magazine. And the article is called Starbucks Union, Are Labor Unions Good for Public Companies? This one stopped me like dead in my tracks when I was uh, reading some articles and, and thinking what might be interesting to our listeners, because I don't know about you, Joey, but working in the HR space uh, where um, I've been, in, been a part of an HR team that has been prone and very concerned with unions forming, it's a very, very scary thing. Uh, and for those of you that you know have not worked in a union environment, uh, I think from an HR perspective, the reason that it's scary is because it takes away a lot of the control. It takes away a lot of the ability to just independently execute on the things that we know and believe are best for our team members. So Joey, have you ever worked with uh, any companies that are part of a union and or like what are your thoughts on them in general? Yeah, I have. So I worked for a federal contractor here in the DMV um, with about 1500 employees. And uh, I think about 40 to 30 percent of them were union um, because of the location of the, the work site. Uh, so some work sites were unionized, some were not. And um, I will, I'll say this, you know, in the from a historical context of of why unions existed and why they were started, um, they 
serve a important purpose of advocating for the employee. And so historically, I, I would say that, you know, unions have been um, important in moving along the idea of uh, worker safety, worker compensation, uh, fair treatment, uh, so on and so forth. Um, I think now um, it's, it's to your point, it's, it's, it's scary because in a, in a perfect environment, a perfect working environment, um, you're, you're going to want to do the things that uh, show the employee that you care. But that may not always be the case. And so the response to that is to unionize. And it, it does make things a little bit more complicated. You know, there are negotiations. You're typically getting uh, attorneys involved. And uh, it really is dependent upon um, those who are or are voted in to, to represent the union as far as how the negotiations go and what's what's fought for and what's not. So I haven't I haven't been in a union environment probably for about twelve years now, um, but you know now you got all these public companies that are unionizing. It's interesting that we're visiting this for public companies because that hadn't that hadn't always been the case. Yes, well, what's really interesting is that the popularity of unions has actually been on decline. So. It wasn't until uh, the pandemic that that shifted drastically. Between October of 2021 and March of this year, uh, the NLRB um, union petitions actually increased 57%, which is just staggering. So it's you know such a drastic shift uh, in the direction uh, that it's you know that it's been going. And so you know I want to share a little story. Um, about Starbucks specifically, because in this article that we're talking about, um, you know, I think it's important to kind of know the backstory of like, well, how the heck did they get here? And um, it, it started in summer of 2021. And you might remember that, um, you know, in the pandemic, uh, the, all of the essential workers in, you know, food service um, and restaurants and hospitality uh, and I should set, set a disclaimer, like depending on the state in which you were at, um, they were considered essential workers. And so, um, you know, they were having to show up at work and put their own health and safety at risk. Um, and during this time, uh, a lot of public companies, and if you go out to this article, there's actually 22 major companies. But during this time, while employees were putting their safety at risk, these companies were actually achieving record breaking profits. And now some of the companies that I'm talking about are like Disney and Walmart. Um, Starbucks, of course, is on that list. Amazon, Costco. And unfortunately, during this time, um, you know, employees are being faced with, well, like, how am I going to pay my rent? Like, what if I get sick? Like, how am I going to have enough money to feed my family? So there's this big disconnect between now employees feeling underappreciated and undervalued for this, you know, service and, you know, kind of the conditions that they're having to work under. And the article points out that these workers, Joey, got less than 2% of that benefit. Now, it should be no surprise that employees in this group are unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's definitely that, um, that essential worker piece is, 
just appreciating the fact that so many folks put their lives in danger uh, to keep our stores stocked with supplies, to uh, give us food when we need it, and uh, you know, keep our 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 Amazon products coming in or delivery products coming in. And yet, I mean, the right thing to do would be to, if if the company's benefiting, the employees that are doing that should benefit too. Yes. And, and during this time, I can speak from, uh, from personal experience. My daughter worked in food service through the entire pandemic. And of course, there was the concern of, well, you know, you're you're you know working with the public face to face, and if you come home and get us sick, then you know that's going to potentially put our family at risk for working, and then you know paying our bills and paying you know paying our obligations. But aside from that, something that really caught my attention, and I still see it happening now, is um, a, a real big shift in how workers in food service, restaurant, and hospitality have been treated by the general public. And I'm not sure why there's this kind of shift that's occurred during the pandemic, but I'm seeing it happening from like the general public to the food service workers, but also with the management and just my own personal opinion that I think ties into all of this when we talk about employees being unhappy is that it's extremely difficult to hire in these industries right now. So Joey, we're what do you think is happening when you have a leader who's super toxic, uh, probably should be fired um, in like pre-pandemic environments, but because they're already so short-staffed, what do you think is happening now with those individuals? Well, those toxic managers are staying, but they are the reason why a lot of good people uh, are walking out of the door to go someplace else. or you know, something else that's, that people are picking up in the interviews is that, hey, maybe this isn't the kind of person that I want to work for. And so instead of, you know, working at this company, maybe making $16 an hour, I'll go to another one where the starting pay is like 20 And so that manager relationship is so critical for every member of the team that uh, people realize there are options out there. I think Garrett said, um, I'm, I'm probably flipping this, but they said there are two two job openings for every one person looking for a job, and so that just means that you know people have people have options. They can they can vote with their feet. Yes, I I think you made a couple of great points there, and the one that's really stood out to me is that workers, uh, specifically management, that's you know, extremely difficult to find in, for these jobs right now. It would have previously have been let go pre-pandemic, uh, but because it's critical to keep the operation going, some of their bad behavior that should be a terminatable offense is actually being permitted because the company simply has no other option. So it's a really, you know, kind of a really sad situation for all of these workers Um but kind of getting back to Starbucks and, you know, the kind of the question at hand, you know, whether uh, these labor unions are good. The answer, uh, in short, is that it be determined uh, because certainly being able to raise wages and benefits and working conditions is great for any company. Uh, but 
it's also dependent on, you know, whether that is a sustainable model for that business, right? So I think it's too early to say whether, you know, for these companies, it's going to be, um, you know, kind of taking a different look at their like total comp strategies and taking a different look at how they're treating their team members, I think is the first part of like fixing the real problem at hand. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens at Starbucks because the workers are negotiating for higher pay. Um, and then um, there's also been a different pay strategy that's come out for the non-union uh, locations. And in short, when you compare the two, the uh, union locations are definitely going to be receiving higher wages than the new comp strategy that Starbucks is putting out. So um, I think, unfortunately, they've found themselves in a slippery slope. Um, and it's it's going to be um, it's going to be really interesting, I think, to see how it pans out and what some of these other companies take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like. uh when if and when word gets out about the different structures um more and more of their sites will want to become union and kind of is is a no-brainer at that point it's interesting on the heels of our episode with hannah from salary transparent street which was the last episode if you didn't get a chance to check out episode 29 so uh you know pay is a big deal and so is treating people right and um unions attempt to, to to do what's best for the for the people and we'll see what sort of a top adoption uh there is in the big stores and uh even smaller companies around the u.s yep i think we're going to be looking back at this um you know at some point in the future and i do think that the momentum gained at starbucks is either going to prompt some companies to uh, proactively make some changes so that they can avoid a similar situation. Uh, but I also expect that others are going to look at what happened at Starbucks and say, hey, it worked for Starbucks. And so, you know, we're going to unionize some of our stores. And I think it's, it, yeah, it's just going to be interesting all around. But I do expect that uh, we're going to see some drastic change here in the near future. We'll have to maybe do an updated episode on it. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, if you if you've seen the news, Starbucks is already kind of at a point where and I'm, I'm focused on Starbucks for this for the purpose of this conversation, uh, where they're kind of like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Um, you know, they they've been a, a dominant dominant player in the coffee industry, uh, but now that trends are changing, where people aren't aren't meeting in Starbucks. You know, what does this mean for their brand? And are they as competitive in a drive through quick walk-in retail sort of environment where there's a Dunkin' Donuts, there's a, or Dunkin', there's, you know, every restaurateur has Bruce Coffee, right? And so it's like, it's interesting for it to come at a time where Starbucks is trying to figure out what's next. And then they will also have, the addition of, of unionization to uh, unpack and, and explore as a fight to remain relevant. Because as we all know, Summer loves a good Dutch Brothers coffee. And the moment they, you know, spread all across the globe, it, it could be a wrap. And so uh, 
these are the these are I think one of the reasons why you you bring on really sharp minds, um, not to plug us, but to plug us, right? But you know, you bring on folks to take care of your HR, uh, so that you can wrestle with the big questions of of staying relevant and growth strategy and things like that, uh, because they have to tackle all of it at the same time. You know, Starbucks is having to face that, but so many other employers, big and small. Uh, across the country are are figuring out how do we hire and keep great talent while also making necessary pivots that we have to make to stay competitive. That's so true. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that sometimes small businesses aren't even thinking about a union forming within their company. And they should be, especially with this in the news. And so if I didn't mention it already, or make it clear like why I felt like this was such an important article to like kind of raise the flag on it's because it's like if you're a small business owner and you're not thinking about these things well now's your time and you know the underlying the underlying issue here to address and we work with small businesses on this every single day is making sure that you um, one um, that your employees feel valued that you create a culture of making it a place where people um, feel that their contributions are uh, making a difference, that they are rewarded appropriately, um, that there's honest, uh, trustworthy conversations. And it's really just, it's building the culture first and then all of the practices and policies to support it. And so I think we could probably talk about that all day, but we still also have Consultants Corner. I think we're going to have to keep things moving along. So do you want to kick kick us off on that one? I do. I do. Consultants Corner, this is where we talk about stories from the trenches and we answer your questions. Uh, if you have questions for the show, you can reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com. And that's a place for you to drop questions that you want us to tackle on an upcoming episode. This week, we are talking about wellness. Uh, we got a comment that came in. It says, I am a small business and I want to take care of my employees' well-being. What are other companies doing to support mental health at work? So I'll go first and just say, you know, you're doing the right thing by asking the right questions. Um, you know, what are other groups doing? Um, mental health is such a, a big thing these days, and it, it it's really become an umbrella topic. Um, before, we may have thought mental health to just be like, you know, meditation or uh, yoga or doing things to settle the mind. Uh, but now we know that mental health has a lot to do with uh, not only uh, settling the mind, um, but even the chemical makeup of our mental well-being and um, if there are factors at play with regard to stress, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, uh, any manner of uh, mental health concerns that uh, we need to be paying attention to. And so um, I, I think the first thing that other people are doing that you should be doing is is listening to your staff about what is important to them. Um, but then another thing is, uh, you know, figure out the perks that, that you need to, to complement your, your benefit offerings. What do you think, Summer? Absolutely. I was very excited to see this question come through because 
I do think that so much has changed in just the last few years about even being able to speak about this freely is a very important component to, um, you know, I describe it as the, the whole person, right? So not just thinking your team member as a worker, but thinking about what is it that they need that I can help support. And it doesn't have to be just within the, you know, just within the box of work. There's a lot of things that as a company or an employer that companies can do to help support them outside of work. And if that's going to allow them to bring their best self, feeling fully supported, that allows them to bring bring their best self to work, then everybody truly wins. And when I have these conversations with leaders, you know, I'm always speaking with them about making sure that they have, um, I talk about culture, but, you know, helping really um, design and create a culture that is very intentional, um, especially when it comes to wellness, like just taking a shotgun approach is never going to work. Like the you know, I think the message that I'm trying to send is to make sure that you have a well thought out plan. And you touched on that. It starts by having conversations with your team members. When I think about this on like uh, a tactical approach, you know, it's uh, one creating policies that also support physical health in addition to their mental health. Um, It's, you know, providing options for people to care for their parents, care for their families. This is through, you know, your time off and leave policies internally. And we do this on our Jumpstart team. And I'm absolutely a huge fan is creating a safe space to actually have these conversations uh, where we can all be vulnerable and we can all share from some of our experiences and identify who could best benefit from maybe just a little extra dialogue and support. And, you know, just kind of a couple other thoughts, and I'd I'd love to hear your opinion of this, um, is really training managers, first and foremost, how to recognize burnout, um, how to support their team members with any sort of needs or requests that they may have, and training them on, like, how to build deeper connections. I don't think that's really been part of what I've heard leaders discuss as, um, you know, important topics to tackle with their team. Um, But, you know, I know that you're in the trenches, Joey, and you're talking to business leaders all of the time. And so what, like, what are you hearing in these discussions that companies are considering doing to help support their team in those areas? Well, I'll, I'll be honest, Summer, um, this, this, there's a scary thing about um, this topic, and it's that it's, n- it's not being talked about enough. I think in uh, circles and trenches that I'm in, I'm hearing conversations that, that are, hey, um, we need to find talent, we want to keep talent, but it's still at that like first layer of the onion, and so... It's really having the patience and uh, intentionality behind guiding them to that second layer of, okay, you say you want this. Here is what it, here's an aspect of what it takes to get that. And so it's almost like uh, an aha moment happening across the board 
for different companies and, and different leaders of companies to say, oh, uh, I didn't realize that that was so important. And I didn't realize that it's attainable. I mean, anything from getting calm subscriptions for your team to uh, understanding the importance that PTO plays on mental health. And, um, you know, this this being a um, being in the month of June and being a big month for diversity and uh, awareness, um, realizing that people don't always feel comfortable at work because they don't feel accepted at work or they don't feel that they can bring their full self to work. And so understanding how all of that plays, um, you know, a, per- a person's background and identity and feeling like they can fully belong. Uh, so so it's a it's an uphill climb, I think, Summer, to, to get where we need to be on the conversation of, of mental health and mental wellness. But it doesn't mean uh, to throw in the towel. If anything, it just means lean in and uh, and keep pushing forward. You're so right. And, you know, I describe that as we don't have to have all of the answers. And that in itself should not prevent us from starting to make progress. And so, you know, to circle back to our question and and provide uh, what I feel like a clear direction, I think that if um, we were working with a small business and they were very committed to uh, creating their first strategy for wanting to address mental health and wellness, I think we would start with doing a pulse survey of their team and try to understand first, well, what is it that the team feels like they're lacking um, or that they need? And then with that information, we'd work with um, decision makers to understand like what type of culture do they want to create? Um, how do we address some of the gaps in the needs? and actually creating a plan. And of course, that plan is always impacted by a budget. So if there's a very small budget, then we will look for you know what type of resources, um, policies, and training we can provide that's low or no cost. And then of course, as there um, is a budget or the budget grows, then we can layer on like some of those cool, um, cool resources that you mentioned are online. There's counseling, um, there's coaching apps um, and, you know, something that doesn't typically cost much that does have a huge effect is allowing greater work flexibility. Yeah. And, and Summer, um, you know, you, you've seen your journey with Jumpstart here, but, but part, of, part of improving mental health at work is having systems and processes that work or that are in place. Uh, and if you don't have them today, build them so that your team's experience uh, with your work does not uh, negatively hinder their their mental health. Um, I, I think of, you know, hearing stories from friends or my wife or just anybody. And, you know, they people complain about work. Right. So so you have to be honest with your work environment and say, OK, well, what is it about my environment that people are complaining about? They aren't necessarily coming home and saying, oh, gosh, my boss doesn't have a calm subscription for me. They're saying they're saying, hey, I can't find this form. I have to go through all these this paperwork. Uh, I've got to um, talk to 10 people to get a yes on something. And so figure out the things that you can do to improve the, the employee experience at your job 
and that can have as great a, a impact on mental health as as maybe some of these more uh, external things. You're so right, and so I'd love to I, I'd love to wrap this episode with a really really awesome question that I think ties that nicely. And one of the questions that I coach managers on um, to address that specifically, Joey, is asking their team members, if there was one thing that you could change about the company or your job that would drastically improve your work satisfaction, what would it be? And you put no limits on it, right? Because you really want to hear what it is that could make that significant of a difference. And it doesn't mean that you're going to commit to doing it. But I bet you uh, that you're going to start to hear some things as a business owner that you didn't know existed that you can absolutely change and it would make that much of a difference. Wouldn't you want to? I know I would. Yeah, I love it. And and take a look at your exit interviews if you're doing them too to see why people are leaving because that also can help you shape a better workplace. So, you know, we're full of ideas. We're full of things that we've seen in practice. And if you want to work with us, you can reach out at jumpstart-hr.com. Uh, we're happy to schedule a 15-minute consult with you to map out your journey and how we can help your business become even more successful uh, and have a great employee experience. Um, but make sure you tune in next week for another great episode of While We Were Working. And uh, Summer, I'm I'm going out of town. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. But uh, my office, my out of office is officially set. So take care, everybody, and see you next week. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and coworkers. And as always, you can find more info and additional resources at whilewewereworking.com. We